Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We're continuing in with this amazing uh, book of the prophet Isaiah. Um, It's really um, a treasure trove uh, that we don't get to dive into uh, often enough in in my mind. It's a a beautiful book and as you read through it, it foretells what comes to pass in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus. But in this particular passage, um, Isaiah, uh, God is speaking through Isaiah before the Babylonian captivity to the people of Israel, words of comfort that they will need once they are in captivity. Because what Isaiah and all of the prophets beforehand have been saying is they have been uh, asking the people to turn towards repentance, to repent of the wickedness of their ways. uh, Because God does not want to send them into exile. But exile is a place where they will get to the end of their own resources and finally turn to God. And so indeed, if you remember, the northern kingdom of Israel was taken into captivity by Assyria in 700s BC. And the southern kingdom, just 200 years later, the kingdom of Judah was taken into captivity in about 500 BC, this time by Babylon. And what they did was that they came in, the conquerors would come in, raise the country. So the temple was destroyed, homes were destroyed, the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed, everything was destroyed, and the people were marched out of the country into a foreign country, in the case of the southern kingdom, into Babylon. They were force-marched over desert and over land all the way into Babylon so that there were very, very few people, maybe a few sheep herders who were left in the country. All of the rest were taken into captivity. And surely they remembered these words that Isaiah had prophesied over them. Comfort, O comfort, my people. And yet we hear it's 70 years. Looking back in history, of course, it's two lines in a history book. They went into captivity. Uh, But it's 70 long years. And uh, we hear about what it felt like to be captive for that length of time with apparently... uh, rationally no way of return no way of release from exile psalm 137 puts it this way by the waters of babylon there we sat down and wept when we remembered zion on the willows there we hung up our lyres for there our captors required of us songs And our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And further on in Isaiah, the Lord uh, 
challenges them that they believe that he has forsaken them, that his arm is no longer strong to save, that in the depths of their depression and their desolation, they no longer trust the sovereignty, the power, and the might, and the strong arm of God. He speaks to that Words of comfort. Comfort. O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to her. She has served her term. Not only words of comfort, but words of further promise. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And indeed, the glory of the Lord was revealed. It's how Mark opens up his gospel. It's like, it's like being woken up with a splash of cold water in your face when you read Mark. It goes right in there. This is the gospel of the Lord. As Isaiah said, one calling out in the wilderness. It's John the Baptist. Do you see that? He is the fulfillment of the prophecy that one would be crying out. And John the Baptist cries out. And then further on in Isaiah, Get up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. See the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed the flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. See, the promise is is that God himself will come to rescue There's indeed nothing they can do in their own strength. They're a small people. They've been taken captive. There's no way that they're going to be able to get out of captivity. Babylon is a huge and powerful empire. They're a small people. They don't have an army. They've been decimated. They've been taken away. If they tried to escape, they'd be cut down. There is no way that they can escape in and of their own resources, only by the grace of God. You see, God knows that our resources are so feeble and frail compared to his power and his might. You know, we think we've got it all together. We think we can do it. We think we can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Yes, by golly, we're going to be able to do this. And, 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 and he says to Isaiah, people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, but the word of our God will stand forever. Immediately after um, this passage in Isaiah the one that was read, we hear this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? 
and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who's measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and whom made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. See, the God that we worship is so magnificent, so great, so awesome in renown, so mighty in power. His arm is not shortened. His arm is still strong to save. And yet... With this promise, the people are 70 years. That's longer than many of us have lived. Some of us have lived that a length of time and and longer. It's a long space of time to be in exile, to be away from the land you just want to return to. So, do they trust? Do they trust the Lord is still strong? Do they trust that he is still powerful to save? Do they trust that he can still comfort? Or perhaps it's easier just to stay stuck. It's easier to stay bemoaning exile than hoping for deliverance, to forget all that God has done in the past, even to get angry with God or even to turn away. But we look at Israel's history, surely they must remember the power and the might of the God of Yahweh who they worship. Because he promised Abraham that his progeny would be as multitudinous as the sands on the sea, as the stars in the sky, and it happened. He promised to bring them out of exile in Egypt. They were slaves. How could they fight against Pharaoh's armies? But the Lord opened the sea and closed back the sea, and they escaped. He brought them out of slavery. Then he promised to bring them into the promised land. And through Joshua, because Joshua was a man who was a warrior, but who trusted God. He did not go into battle without first asking of the Lord what he should do, when he should do it. And through Joshua... And the trust that he had in God, the people entered into the promised land and all of the tribes were subdued under the people of Israel. He gave them a king. All of these promises fulfilled. And if they surely went back and remembered those things, they could trust in the promise in the middle of 70 years, towards the end of 70 years, that God's word, comfort. Oh, comfort my people Israel. Your king is coming. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. 
in their rational minds, how do we get out of captivity? We don't have an army, we can't fight, we can't do anything. You know how God got them out of exile? He used a foreign potentate. He used Cyrus of Persia, who released them from captivity when the Persians came and conquered Babylon. Cyrus let them go back home. Unheard of. They don't do that. Why would they do that? They've conquered these peoples. If they let them go home, they could surely get an army. They could maybe get an army and come against them. They would no longer be under their heel, under the boot. And yet Cyrus, because he was God's vessel, let them go. Not only did he let them go, he gave them all the silver that had been taken by Nebuchadnezzar from the temple and he sent that back with them. And then he wrote letters to safeguard them while they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Never before. They didn't do a thing. It was God's provision. His mighty arm, mighty to save, brought them out of captivity and when they're out, they know it's God. You have been gracious to your land, O Lord, says the psalmist. O Lord, you have restored the good fortunes of Jacob. You've forgiven the iniquity of your people and blotted out all of their sins. See, Prophecy works at all different levels, there's different levels as we read the prophets. So this passage from Isaiah speaks to the people in Israel, in, in exile, it, it speaks comfort to them, it speaks the truth about the coming king, that God will himself come close. But it speaks to their current situation. It also speaks to the restored Israel once they've returned. It speaks a word that this is that God will come and be amongst them. And that's where we pick up on Mark's gospel. One crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist, he's come to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare God's arrival in the form of a baby. He's calling out. He is the fulfillment of this prophecy. So to the restored nation, it's also a prophecy. It's also a prophecy to us corporately that in the end, God himself will come and shepherd his people. He will return. Christ will return. The first coming and now the second coming, that's also a part of this prophecy in Isaiah. But it's also a word to us. You know, it's a word to each and every one of us. It's a personal word of comfort to our personal exiles. Do you find yourself in a personal exile? An exile of grief? An exile of unforgiveness? An exile of fear? Do the Lord's words of promise ring empty for you sometimes? Do you doubt the sovereignty the ability, the strength and the power of the Lord to rescue. Are you determined to stay by your own waters of Babylon without hope? Have you forgotten how the Lord God has worked in your life for good in the past? Sometimes, not always, only sometimes, 
We're sent into an exile so we come to the end of ourselves. When we realize that we just do not have the resources anymore, but there is one who does. See, the Lord keeps his promises. His arm is still strong to save. He freed the Israelites from their Babylonian captivity through Cyrus of Persia. He's freed all of his people from the tyranny of sin by coming as a frail babe in a manger and for dying for each one of us. And the Lord will return, says Peter, but it's going to be in his time. As Peter says, our time is different than the Lord's time. I'd like the Lord to work on my time sometimes. But it's the Lord's time. A thousand years are as a day and a day is a thousand years to the Lord because he's outside of time. So 70 years to him is different than 70 years to us. There are times when uh, we feel like prayer is unanswered, but they're heard. They're heard in God's good time. And he still speaks to us words of comfort. The Lord will return in his time. And he will in this time, in our time, in our time of exile, release us as he released the Israelites from their captivity in Babylon, he will release us from all of those exiles if we would but repent, turn from our own self-sufficiencies, repent of following worthless idols like money or power or status or personal gratification, lack of trust, unforgiveness, If we turn from those, he will swoop down. His arm is still strong to save. And he is still the all-powerful and the almighty God. When we place our complete trust in him, he knows the big picture. He knows the smallest detail of each and every one of our lives. And he says... Comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to them. They will no longer be called forsaken or outcast, but the delight of the Lord. This is his promise, and we can trust his promises. Amen.